Did you guys watch all of the action in the NBA last night? No? Well, we did, and we're going to recap it for you. And then the Celtics, lots of injuries. We'll go through those and figure out who the coach of the year might be. Before we finally wrap up and preview Wednesday night's game so you can know everything that's going to be going on in the association. That's right. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, editor of LockedOnPelicans.com and credential member of the media. I'm John Corrales from the Locked On Celtics podcast, Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. I've run Reds Army for a long time, and I am a Boston.com Celtics contributor. So we are going to recap all the action that went on around the NBA, a bunch of games last night, and what we call on the Wednesday edition here too long, didn't watch. We're going to start with Indiana at Philadelphia, where the Pacers win 101. Indy took control early and just never really let up, even though it got kind of close at the end. Kind of close, yeah, but Indiana, very impressive 10-1 and one in games decided by three points or fewer. Bodes well for their future going into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Stevenson got into Embiid's head a little bit, but he kind of had a couple <laughs> big plays. Finished with 29 points. The dude is definitely a very special Stevenson player. is such a trip, man. He got, got Embiid to push him after something. I don't even know what happened. He just has a knack of doing that, man. It almost won him a game. It almost worked. So moving on, we've got Minnesota at Washington. The Timberwolves win a big game on the road, 116-111. Wizards collapsed in the fourth quarter. This is a brutal loss for Washington. When you look at the seeding, they had an opportunity there to uh, move closer to that home court. Now they're a full game and a half behind the Cavaliers. That is a loss that's going to sting for a while. Yeah, definitely needed that one. We move on to Oklahoma City at Atlanta. A 119-107 win for the Thunder, but Atlanta had a 12-point lead in the third and a pretty good night offensively. Torian Prince uh, finished with 25 on the night. Yeah, 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 whatever. It's Atlanta. Sorry, Hawks fans. Uh, Russell Westbrook's the big thing there. 100th triple-double 100th triple double of his career. Fourth guy to ever do it. Of course, uh, that is overshadowed a little bit by the Paul George groin injury. That's going to be a big one if that lingers. Yeah, hopefully. Well, as a Pelicans guy, I'm going to say I hope he doesn't come back, but I don't want to see anyone <laughs> injured, really. Of course, of course. You know, then we got Toronto at Brooklyn, a 116-102 Raptors win. You know, this one's just kind of notable because D'Angelo Russell hit seven threes in six minutes and 40 seconds, and the Nets still lose. Yeah, I, I was laughing at this game because for a while there, Toronto was down big on a day where the national media, Zach Lowe, put a big thing on believe in the in the Raptors. Chris Mannix picked the Raptors come out of the East in his podcast, and then they were down big to Brooklyn. So uh, they redeemed themselves, but for a while there, there was a pretty hilarious game. A little bit scary for him. And then we've got Dallas taken on New York. Mavs win 110-97 in a game both teams probably wanted to lose. My favorite stat in the NBA right now, Dallas is 4-6 and six since Mark Cuban was fined $600,000 for admitting that they were tanking. 
NBA, we talked about this last week, and the NBA were doing what they do, and it's making it happen. Uh, the Clippers took on the Bulls. Clippers just pulled away after the half and really never looked back. And, you know, some Bulls guys scored some points, and that's really it. I refuse to add anything to that. Yeah, there's no need to. Then finally, my game where I had to hold my breath on Charlotte at New Orleans. And this was a fun game if you don't like defense with a 119-115 victory for the Pelicans and almost a must win for them. Davis had 31. Drew Holiday was super clutch late in the game, hitting some very big threes. And Rondo has a good Rondo game, which isn't always the case. 17 assists. Uh, as a longtime Rondo supporter from back in his championship days in Boston, uh, I'm a big fan of Rondo doing good things. His 17 dime night is very fun for me to watch. Uh, I know exactly what Rondo is and who he is and all of that, but I enjoy good Rondo games. Yeah, the, uh, so do I now. Then we got Orlando taking on San Antonio. You know, the Spurs won big. Are they good without Kawhi Leonard? Oh, yeah, they're better. That's, they don't need him. No. They're fine now. They're, they're, fine. they're fine now. We probably <laughs> want him coming back so they don't end up in the lottery and somehow with the number one overall pick, which is, you know, what would happen in this case. And then we hit a, a string of blowouts here. Detroit at Utah. And this one was over pretty much when the Jazz scored 42 points in the first. Oh, monster. Monster stuff. I want to shout out Jay Crowder, who had a, a nice game. Jay Crowder uh, figuring things out. Not in Cleveland anymore. And going to Utah in a real system, playing real basketball, shot five of eight, 14 points, uh, just a productive player once again, just leaves Cleveland, becomes productive, just saying. Just saying. That's going to be a theme in a moment here. By the way, Joe Ingles had all the sevens on the night. 17 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, and the Jazz have won 19 of 21. We get to Cleveland at Phoenix. Cavs won by 22, and no, things still aren't fixed there. Nah, whatever. And then the fun game on the night, Denver at the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma left the game, came back, though, had a big night for the Lakers, 26 points. Isaiah Thomas with 23, Randall with 26, and this team really took advantage of their athleticism to really brutalize Millsap and Jokic. Yeah, oh, poor Jokic. Isaiah Thomas faked him out of his soul on the drive to basically uh, end the game. Uh, another shout-out, former Cav, former Celtic, going to a new team and suddenly figuring it out. Isaiah Thomas, 23 points, that crossover that I mentioned, four of nine from three. Uh, and, and look, it's my, my disdain for what happened in Cleveland is so great that I am cheering for a Laker as a Boston guy. Yeah, and I was cheering for the Lakers, too, as the Pelicans got here. But for you, that definitely has to hit home hey, and not be an easy thing. Before we finish these, I, I want to just say how brutal it has to be being a Nuggets fan. Two weeks ago, I thought that they might climb into the fourth spot. Then Boban ripped their hearts out in a big comeback, and they just – that's it. It's over. I want to name an annual award after the Nuggets and give it to the team that consistently rips the hearts out of their fans every year. Yeah, that, this is a brutal loss. They're out of the playoffs now. Jazz are in. Jazz control their own destiny. Denver does not. That's how things change so quickly in the Western Conference here. And that, everybody, is the too-long, didn't-watch recap here on Wednesday. 
Don't forget, Locked On NBA is five days a week, Monday through Friday. Nowhere else can you get a 25-minute podcast recapping the night's action before, covering the biggest stories, and previewing everything you need to know about that night's game. So make sure you subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So, John, the big news of the NBA this week is maybe the Celtics and all of the injuries they're dealing with you know, given kind of their injury report is incredibly long right now, does this maybe yeah. tip the balance of power in the East in favor of the Raptors? Well, I in the regular season, no, because the Raptors already have the balance of power, I guess. I think they're pretty much set as the the number one seed with their win and with the, the Celtics kind of going without some key guys this week. I'm pretty sure that... Th- Raptors going to get the top seed. Celtics pretty set in that second seed. So that's that's going to be it moving forward. Playoffs-wise, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this season plays out because if the Raptors have to go through Cleveland, if Cleveland gets settled in that four seed and they stay in that one seed, then that, that might be uh, enough to kind of change the entire dynamic of the playoffs. But as far as the Celtics are concerned, I think it all hinges on Marcus Smart. Because the the guys, we had a lot of things happen at the same time. Jalen Brown got a concussion. Kyrie Irving's knee acted up. Al Horford got sick. Uh, and, and Marcus Smart sprained his thumb. And Daniel Tice tore his meniscus. All of those things happened within a few days. So it sounds really bad right now. But uh, Jalen Brown's coming back at some point soon. Because uh, he seems to be doing well in the concussion protocol by all accounts. So if not in a few days before the end of the season. Al Horford was just sick, and he's out on his Instagram stories playing around in a blizzard, so I think he's okay. Kyrie Irving, it's more precautionary, so he'll be back before the regular season is out. So those three key guys will be back. Marcus Smart is the the guy that we're all watching now because that thumb sprain, it's just a matter of how serious that is. Does he need surgery? Will it just go into a cast? Will he go into some rehab? Even even if everything goes worst-case scenario, Marcus Smart is out, they should still get past the first round. And the second round might just depend on the opponent. So they could still get to the conference finals. Uh, Depending on the severity of Marcus Smart's thumb, we saw Chris Paul come back within five weeks of a similar injury after surgery. Uh, a typical sprained thumb takes about six weeks to to heal, and that's right around the start of the first round of the playoffs. So until we hear what's going to happen with Marcus Smart, uh, that's going to have a, a big determination on how the Celtics' uh, prognosis is moving forward. He is such a huge, huge part of what they do, and if he can't be there, there's just no guy that matches his energy on a regular basis. If he can come back and he can tape that up, it doesn't even matter that it's on his shooting hand because we don't count on Marcus Smart shooting anyway in Boston. Yeah, you're not worried about that whatsoever. No. So I, I think the jury's still out. Like I said, we had a ton of things happen at the same time, but a lot of these guys are coming back. The smart diagnosis is key. The Daniel Tice injury is actually pretty significant for the bench. The good news, at least there, is they did sign Greg Monroe, and they were still struggling to figure out time distribution, minutes distribution. So if Monroe can get all of those minutes and there's no question now, maybe 
Monroe gets enough time where he can be productive. He doesn't do the same thing Tice does. I was going to say, and, that's the, the bigger one to me, I think, with with those two, where all of a sudden you're kind of taking out a defensive big man and putting in more of an yeah. offensive one. And it can kind of – it's not necessarily a rhythm thing on defense, but it kind of upsets a, a kind of balance that they've had. The thing with Tice is that he, he – look, he got into the starting lineup. He's a very – he's very good. And he was – He's a rookie, but he's playing professionally in Germany for a little while. So he's not your typical rookie. Uh, he is. He can switch. He's athletic enough to switch on guards. He can hang with them until he switches back. He can jump. He's so very high, and so he can. He challenges a lot of shots in in the games where he's gotten significant minutes. You can look at the advanced box scores. You can see that he's one of, among the leaders in contested shots on the Celtics. So that is going to be a significant loss. He's a big key to that defense when he plays, uh, and he goes and he catches lobs. So it, that defensively, that does hurt the Celtics bench, no doubt about it. When the Celtics go small, they can throw him at the five when Al Horford's on the bench or play him along with Al Horford. But like I said, Monroe is going to have to step in, and they're going to have to do it with the offense with Monroe and, and just try to outscore teams a little bit more and and try it that way or Aaron Baines is gonna have to find uh, another level of production too because Aaron Baines has anchored a lot of the Celtics top defensive lineups so uh, Tice hurts but they can find a way to kind of cobble together the rest of that front court if Marcus Smart can come back by the beginning of the playoffs or somewhere in the first round then they'll be okay and they'll get to about what we expect I think the Celtics realistically are a potential conference finalist. And then from there, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Toronto. So I think Toronto has kind of solidified itself as the favorite already anyway. So the injuries, regardless, I don't, I don't think that changes a whole lot when it comes to that. And, and we'll just have to see. Like I said, smart's the key. Yeah, they're going to need all the defense they can get, particularly against this Raptors team. And that kind of jumps into what I wanted to talk about next here, and that's the Raptors and then kind of the coach of the year race. Because like you said, I do think the Raptors really are just going to be the number one seed. They've kind of solidified themselves, as you said, in that role. And this is a team that looks very different from last season, even though they have kind of the they have the same players, but they're running a completely different offensive philosophy, taking more threes, ball movement, less isolation. And Dwayne Casey, I think, might be the clear front runner, in my opinion, for coach of the year with getting those guys to kind of buy into that style of basketball. Yeah, you know, after after the Gordon Hayward injury, everyone was just handing it over to Brad Stevens after the Celtics won 16 straight. Uh, and he could still look. There are a lot of qualified candidates. I could totally see it going to Dwayne Casey. You're right. When when you've got a team that's ascended to the top seed in in the uh, in their conference under a completely revamped offense that is just clicking with a bench full of young guys that are coming together. You can point to a lot of coaching that's happening. He's gotten DeMar DeRozan to take more threes. He has gotten Kyle Lowry to be a little bit more unselfish and to be more of a distributor. He's gotten a bunch of bench players to play together. That is all adding up to, I think, Casey has passed Brad Stevens, which is painful for me to say as the Celtics guy because I think Brad Stevens has proven to himself to be a fantastic coach and just just to tout his accomplishments not only have they done this without their one of their two best players, three best players, they've done it with a ton of injuries throughout the year. And 
to hear the guys talk, I'm lucky enough to hear the guys talk about Brad Stevens on a regular basis. It's hard to imagine a coach has gotten more buy-in from his team, and they are completely on board with everything that Brad Stevens does. They trust him implicitly with everything. So uh, I definitely am partial to Brad Stevens, but I agree that Dwayne Casey's probably the front runner now. And Nate McMillan, how about Nate McMillan? That, he, that was the other guy. We need to start talking about him. Up. He's this is impressive. What's going on with the Indiana Pacers? And again, I think it's Casey. And I just want to mention, I think Toronto's the only team that's uh, top five in both offense and defense. That's kind of how good the job he's done there. But Nate McMillan in Indiana, kind of getting this team to be third in the Eastern Conference behind really strong play from a number of guys doing it offensively and defensively too. He's got a very clear identity for this team and a plan and it's working yeah uh the, the raptors are second in the league in differential so they they are very very good that's why casey is the front runner mcmillan is look th- what what does the coach of the year award what is it really it's performance against our expectations and no team had lower expectations going into the season than well they were a expected few, to a, be terrible a, a few, I, I, like, a few no teams did this but the Pacers were looked at in that, you know, you had Chicago as like the worst and like a couple of other teams. And then the Pacers were going to be like maybe 20 win team. I, I'm sure you can go the, the cold takes Twitter account can go back through my Twitter and, and have me crapping all over the Pacers. They have been amazingly impressive. Obviously, Victor Oladipo has a massive impact on that. His emergence this year has been great, but performance versus expectations and no team has outperformed their expectations more than the Indiana Pacers. So by that uh, measure alone, Nate McMillan should get a lot of votes for coach of the year. They, they're so the things they do well are just good coaching to me. They don't foul a lot. That's usually indicative of very good coaching. They're sound on the glass because they team rebound on the defensive side of things. Those are kind of what I'm looking for in this. And then again, you know, is Oladipo a product of working with McMillan and that kind of development, or was he just ready to take that leap? But I don't think anyone thought he was really going to take the leap to the level that he's playing at. But I think we've touched on probably the three front runners. And before we kind of wrap this whole segment up I think there's a couple other names we need to throw out there would you give Popovich any love even though they're kind of out of the playoffs right now just with all the injuries they've dealt with and to be what seven games above 500 I think it is is still really impressive and what about Luke Walton and the young Lakers kind of surprising people since the uh, start of the new year Look, there are a ton of great coaching jobs going on right now in the NBA. Uh, Popovich, you can always give the award to Popovich. It should like, just be named after him. Right? Like, if you were if you were to draft, if there was an NBA coach's draft, wouldn't Popovich be the consensus number one pick? Yeah, I mean, every single time. Right. So it's always Popovich's award, but he's the victim, like I said, performance versus expectations. He's, he's a victim of his own success. They're always going to be good under Popovich. And so the fact that they're 37 and 30, yeah, blah, 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 all the injuries, whatever. They're still not like they'd still have to be the number one seed for Popovich to get some consideration. Walton's doing a great job. How about Stotts in, yeah, in Portland? That's a you really know? good one, too. You know, he, he's doing a great job over there. They've gotten good performances from a lot of guys. Damian Lillard is getting a lot of love, deservedly so. Uh, I think he should be like that ceremonial fifth spot in the MVP. I like off topic. I like how the fifth 
vote in the MVP race is kind of like that respectful vote. It's becoming like Isaiah Thomas got it last year. We're kind of see if just who's going to get, get it this their year. Name on there a yeah, little bit. It's going to be like the credit. You've had a great season. You're not one of the top, but you've had a great season. You're the fifth spot in the MVP voting. But anyway, Trailblazers did a great job. Stotts should get some recognition. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of great coaching jobs. Like you said, Walton in Los Angeles, considering the the ball drama alone, everything that happened earlier, right? Yeah, everything, all of that mess, he has stuck through that for a young coach with a young team. All of the trade rumors, you know, telling like Julius Randle, you're basically gone, and now Randle's playing his ass off, and they've got 30 wins. Hell, they're pushing 500. They're going to get close. So they're not going to make the playoffs, obviously, but they have separated themselves from the complete bottom of the pack. That's impressive. It's not coach of the year worthy, but noteworthy. Yeah, absolutely, especially because there's no reason to tank there since they don't own their picks or anything like that. So it's going to be really interesting. So quickly before we wrap this up, give me your top three in order. I'm going to say um, I'm going to go Dwayne Casey. I'm going to say I'm going to go Brad Stevens and Nate McMillan. I'll go top three in the East right now in that order. Yeah, I think that there's a good chance it's going to end up playing out like that. I definitely still give it to Dwayne Casey. I'm going to then give it to Nate McMillan because, like you talked about, against expectations. I'm going to throw a curveball and just kind of get to give him some recognition. I like what Luke Walton's doing in L.A., getting that team to play that way. And over these final, I think most teams have somewhere around 15, 16 games left. It's going to be interesting because, as you said, there's some really great coaching out there right now. You can't have the Celtics guy hosting an NBA podcast without giving his team a little bit of extra love. Come on. We've done it a ton for the Pels here, too. I'm looking forward to Alvin Gentry getting that token fifth place on Coach <laughs> of the Year here for what's going on in New Orleans. So I, I get it all here. I am surprised he didn't bring him up yet. That's impressive. Because I know he's not going to get Coach of the Year. And realistically, there's also a number of issues going on with the team still that almost make sure. you want to preclude him from that. Like when you have Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, like you better be good. It's kind of as simple as that. Right. Uh, but I, trust me, I go into it a lot on why he should be winning. All right, so again, make sure you all subscribe to Locked On NBA five days a week. No other podcast giving that to you. And on Thursdays, we've got host David Locke and a special guest every week diving into the topics that you want to hear on the NBA. So, John, let's quickly wrap up the upcoming action. We've got kind of a lighter slate of games tonight, which I think is, you know, maybe a good thing because some of these have been pretty packed. No huge playoff implications. Uh, so let's just kick it off with Milwaukee at Orlando. And Orlando looking for five straight losses. They're kind of surprising given the talent that they have that they're this bad. I would have thought they were going to be a little bit better this year. Yeah, but, you know, you're getting a little bit of progression from the guys that you're looking for. It's a lost season. What are you going to do? Milwaukee should just wipe the floor with them. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to let you handle the next one we've got up here on the slate. Look, Washington at Boston. I know the Wizards lost a heartbreaker that they should have won against Minnesota. They, they, If they can't beat Boston, then they are in deep, deep doo-doo. Uh, the, the Celtics, no Jalen Brown. No Kyrie Irving, no Marcus Smart, no Daniel Tice, Al Horford, questionable, listed officially as questionable. We'll see. Like I said, he's on Instagram, you know, outside playing around. So I think he might play, but they might decide to hold him out. That's a lot of guys that are out. Washington should absolutely take advantage of this. No, no Celtics fans have any expectations for this game. If Washington loses, 
they are hurting their playoff positioning a lot. It's a must-win situation for them. Yeah, they really need to get that considering how tight it's kind of getting. Even though all the playoff spots are really set, that Eastern Conference, that kind of bottom of towards the end of it is kind of tight. Well, then we've it's got, seeding. Oh, it's seeding's seeding. important, and you want to get the right matchup throughout the playoffs, and you can potentially just strike lightning in a bottle and get a run. Then you've got Miami at Sacramento. I kind of like what the Kings are doing. They're not deliberately tanking by not just outright playing all of their young guys. And that's probably better because you're going to lose more games when you're playing some of the vets that they're playing and not giving minutes to the fun guys in Fox, Heald, uh, and Bogdan. And I'm kind of excited to watch these guys when they finally get the court. And I'm hoping we see them play some more minutes tonight at Miami. Yeah, it would be nice to see that. I think they're kind of like playing the NBA's game, uh, using the NBA's uh, – anti-tanking thing against them by saying, all right, we'll play our vets. And it, it, that's actually uh, good for them tanking wise. Uh, but uh, someday we'll get to see all of those young guys playing for real, for real. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then finally the late game, you've got the Los Angeles Lakers at the golden state warriors. Injuries have crept up for the warriors at the wrong time, giving no help to my Pelicans here in the playoffs, but Clay Thompson's expected to play. Durant's been shouldering the load well with Steph Curry out, but defensively they haven't looked great. Do the young Lakers have a chance to send the warriors to their third straight loss? I think so. I look, they're they're out there, they're playing hard. The Warriors are uh, I don't think they care about that number 1 seed overall cuz when they're fully healthy, they can win anywhere. So, this is an opportunity for young players on the Lakers to make a big big statement and take advantage of a a hobbled Warriors team. I wouldn't be surprised. I think Golden State's going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a a game that's close going into like the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's going to be just a fun one to watch between these two teams. I've been enjoying both of them so far this year. So that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA. As always, I'm your co-host on the Wednesday podcast, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. And I'm John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. I am also a Celtics contributor for Boston.com and the co-founder of RedsArmy.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you guys next week. And stay tuned for tomorrow's Locked On NBA with host David Locke.